Good, good morning, everyone. We need to get started. Welcome to our, our Sunday school class and our day together. If you're in the foyer, come on in and join us, and let's get started. Father, we thank you very much for our time together this morning. We thank you that your love and your grace are full and overwhelming. We thank you that your care for us never runs out. We thank you that you keep us safe in your hand and, and that we are surrounded by you. We thank you that you have given us the Holy Spirit to teach us, to instruct us, to lead us, to guide us, that we might understand the Word of God. We thank you for the body of believers, for the fellowship that we have, and for the encouragement that we receive from one another. And as we open up the Word of God in this class, as the Word of God is opened up throughout this building in the different Sunday school classes, Father, I just pray that your Spirit would teach us, that we'd understand it, and that, Father, that we would be equipped as we study the epistles and what you've done and, and, and what should go on in our lives now that we have been saved and the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. Give us grace and understanding. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we continue along in the Gospel Project, so we're in the epistles and we'll be jumping around in a lot of different areas is what um, the Gospel Project's going to be doing here. The, the, you know, what they do is they, they come up with this interesting little approach to things, and, and, and the first one is the God who directs his people is the first group that we're in, and then the God who changes us. And so in, in those sessions, it's not necessarily in a book per se. We're all over the place in different books. So last, uh, two weeks ago, we were in Galatians. This week, we are in 1 Corinthians and so um, it's one of those things that we'll be jumping around in their Sunday school class. So if you want a quarterly, we have them. Um, there, there's a bunch of them on the back there. The, the first time we ordered them, we ran out. And since that time, more and more have stayed. So, I mean, if you want a quarterly, grab them, all right? They're in the back there. And maybe we should grab them. Sam, would you help out? I think she's coming to get one. Would you grab a quarterly? And if somebody is interested, they can have one of these, okay? So... Um, she would like one. So if you want a quarterly, raise your hand and Sam will deliver you one. All right? So he'll take care of that for us. All right, so anyway, we're, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 today. Our theme is unity in the church must be guarded, uh, grounded by truth, uh, by the cross of Christ and the, for the glory of God. The Christ connection is Paul addressed the divisions in the Corinthian church by reminding believers that the gospel overturns human expectations and robs us of any ability to boast of our own salvation. Jesus is our wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Therefore, selfish boasting and divisions have no place among God's people. And then the application is God calls us to strive for unity in the church in order to showcase the beauty of the cross and the truth that Christ alone is the source of our salvation. And, and I want to repeat that because we're kind of going to be in that neighborhood next week. God calls us to strive for unity in the church in order to showcase the beauty of the cross and the truth that Christ alone is the source of our salvation. As I said, next week as we continue our study in Hebrews, we're kind of going to be in this kind of a theme, this idea. But we need to understand that, that why we do what we do. Okay, so, so it says that we should strive for unity in the church. Why should we strive for unity in the church? And, and there's a lot of reasons that would be given right away about why we should strive for unity in the church, and they would all be great reasons. But ultimately, we need to get to the point, as our quarterly did here, to showcase the beauty of the cross and the, and the truth that Christ alone is the source of our salvation. 
is that all of those answers need to, in reality, be then pointing to the fact that we do what we do because of Jesus Christ. And we forget that sometimes. We kind of forget to go to that next step. And when we forget to go to that next step, we still have answers that come up just a little bit short. Okay? And it's about Christ and it's about His cross. And that is certainly what the, quarter, the, what the lesson is today. And it's what we're going to talk about a little bit next week as well. I want to read to you from the quarterly. Every once in a while I do this because I think they do such a great job in explaining what's going on. So I just want to read to you a little bit from the, from the, uh, uh, from the quarterly to help you understand what we're doing here. Um, the Bible talks about that we have an adversary in Satan who prowls around like a lion seeking someone to devour. Satan loves to attack the body of Christ, the church, because he knows if he can get, an, get us isolated from the herd, he can take us down, making our moments unproductive for the movement of the kingdom of God. He wants to isolate us, and then he can help us be unproductive. God has commissioned the church to take the message of the gospel to the nations. We are to live out the gospel so that his glory is clear and undeniable. He has purchased us to use us, you and me, as part of the local church to build the kingdom. When we are united through the cross, we stand as an undeniable force for the gospel. But if we are divided, at best, we become an ineffective at carrying the message of the cross to the lost world around us. At worst, we steal the glory meant to be given to our king. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, if you turn there, we see that Paul addresses this right away. The letter that was written to the church at Corinth was a letter that addressed and dealt with a slew of difficulties. And I'm sure that you understand that. I'm sure that you have read 1 Corinthians and you understand the, the point behind 1 Corinthians and what is going on with that. Is that there is, there is um, problem after problem after problem addressed in the, church, in the letter of 1 Corinthians. And it was a church that had its issues, and so all of these things are good for us because we have our issues, because churches have issues. They always have, and they always will. This particular passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 is going to direct our hearts toward us being who we ought to be with Jesus Christ, that we would be a unified group, that we would be a group that looks to Jesus above anything else, above and beyond anything, that we are going to be looking to Jesus on a regular basis. And, and 1 Corinthians chapter 1 is going to help us get to that point. So let's look at this and let's read it. So we're going to begin in verse 10 in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind and the same judgment. For I, have informed, um, for I have been informed concerning you, my brethren, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels among you. Now, I mean this, that each one of you is saying, I am of Paul, and I have Apollos, and I have Cephas, and I have I of Christ. Has Christ been divided? Paul was not crucified for you, was he? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that none of you would say that you were baptized in my name. Now I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized any other. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech, so that the cross of Christ would not be made void. What was the essence, and it's pretty clear cut here, what was the essence of the issue that they were facing in this church? What was going on here? 
I mean, it's, it's pretty clear cut, but what is it? Let's, let's make sure we understand it. What is it? They were following people other than Christ. That's exactly right. Is that something that goes on in our world today? In churches? Absolutely. All the time. All the time. Okay? And, and, and we need to be very careful about that. Okay? It's an easy thing to have that happen in life, is that we tend to fall follow individuals rather than we follow Christ. And in this particular instance, what they had was, uh, the reason why so many things were going on is because there was the, the gospel was exploding, the church was exploding, and there were a lot of people that were evangelizing, and there were a lot of people that were baptizing, and there were a lot of people that were then saying, hey, you need to be part of the church, and we see that here. And so you had these different people and, and what went on is what went on with these folks in what we would consider the Old Testament. You see, in the, in the Old Testament, the Jewish people, they often did rally around their teacher, okay? And, and you kind of see that with Jesus and his 12 disciples. It was a continuation of what was going on in the Old Testament, is they would rally around their teacher that that's the guy I would follow. He's the one. He's the one I listen to. He's the guide. He's the teacher, if you will. If you will. He's my rabbi. And this kind of continued with this group here, and they said, well, I'm really of him. He's the one that led me to the Lord, and he's the one that baptized me, and I'm listening to this guy. He's the one. And your guy said this, and my guy said that, and so I'm going to listen to my guy. And that's exactly what was going on in the early church here. Okay, That's, that's what was happening in this, is that they had these... these these splits and these divisions, and I think that there, there certainly would have been um, a little bit of arrogance with some of that, whatever it may be. But here's what we need to understand, and this is, this is from Charles Spurgeon. Satan always hates Christian fellowship. It is his policy to keep Christians apart. He delights in anything that can divide saints from one another. He attacks far more he attaches far more importance to godly relationships than we do. Since unity is strength, he does his best to promote separation. Okay? We need to be incredibly careful about falling into this kind of a rut as well. Incredibly careful. Okay? And, and it's, it's hard to do sometimes, isn't it? We get hung up on our little groups. We really do. And it's, it's tough. It's, it's hard to make sure that we don't fall into that rut and that problem. But, but we need to understand that we are part of the body of Christ. And the body of Christ is a universal body of Christ. And there are Christians that are all over this world, right? And there's a lot of Christians in this community. Now, one of the things that God has said is he said, for the sake of your worship, for the sake of your encouragement, for the sake of your fellowship, I want to give you local bodies. And he's given us local bodies of Christ, okay? And he's made sure that we, ha we have those and, and, and we cling to those and we cherish those because, because they are what we cling to. But, but here's what's important about what we do. We need to be very careful that we don't say, well, my local body is better than your local body because of ABC. My local body is better than this because we do DEF. My body is better than yours because we do XYZ. We need to be careful about that. We need to understand that God has given us all these local bodies so that he can be glorified and certainly we need to never be attacking one another, and it's easy to fall into both inside a local church and outside the local church. Okay? Should we embrace a local church? You know I believe that. Okay? You know I believe we should embrace a local church. 
And within the local church, we need to make sure that we don't have divisions. We have a lot of different Bible studies going on, and we can just do that, right? We, so we have Bible studies that are going on, all right? And so, and so you know, it's, it's one of those things that we can say, well, and, and we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll you know, whatever, we'll name them because I don't want to draw na- real names into it. So we'll say, well, the tree Bible study is saying this, and the house Bible study is saying that, and, and the road Bible study is saying that, and the mountain Bible study is saying this, and, and the, you know, the gutter Bible study is saying this, and the rain Bible study is saying this, and, 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 and that's the one that I cling to, and, and they're better than all the rest of you. And when that happens, Satan is getting, his, he's getting a, a foothold in for us, and he's starting to get us to the point where, uh-oh, uh-oh, now we're in trouble. And we need to be very, very, very careful about that. And it's easy to fall into that rut. It's incredibly easy to fall in that rut. Okay? Incredibly easy to fall into that rut. Okay? And, and I'll just be really honest with you about this. One of the great, one of the things that, that, that concerns me as a pastor, and you guys are not the ones I should be talking to because you're incredibly faithful, but you can pass it along. <laughs> is that, for instance, my leadership team is a little concerned about when I go to Nepal in October. Because they say, you know what? When you're gone for that length of time, you're going to be gone the entire month of October. You know, attendance really drops off and people really don't come all that well and do their thing. I'm not the church. There's a lot bigger reasons to come here than for me. I could die tomorrow. I could be fired on Tuesday. And the place should continue. It really should. I appreciate the fact that people think that, that, that I have the ability to preach and teach and they enjoy sitting in that preaching and teaching. But when I'm gone, there are qualified people that are standing before you that are teaching and preaching and doing their thing and it's responsibility of the church to come support those guys. Don't ever let the church be Kent. I'm not the church. I don't want the church to be me. Okay? I am going to die. I am going to quit. I am going to get fired. I'm going to be gone one day. I'm not the church. There's a long line of, of really wonderful people that have made Areola Bible Church what it is, and it's all been powered by the power of God. He's the one that does it. Okay? And we need to make sure that we keep that in mind. So there's just a little challenge for you. I am gone once in a while. And just because the pastor's gone doesn't mean that it gives everybody, to, everybody should say, well, that was a good day to be gone. I can play around. The pastor's not around. Our sound's doing something weird. I don't know what... I got this weird echo going on all of a sudden. So at any rate, that goes on in churches today. It shouldn't happen, okay? So don't do it. And like I said, unfortunately, you guys here are the most faithful ones in the Sunday school, so we need to be talking to other people. But, but it happens, doesn't it? Mickey said yes right away, being in ministry for years. She knew it. She was nodding her head. It goes on. Okay? So I'm just giving you a heads up. I'm going to be gone the entire month of October. Attendance should be better than when I'm here, okay? Show up. Support the guys that are running the place. Be encouraging to those people. Okay? I'm not the church. I don't want to be the church. Jesus Christ is the church. We need to, we need to do that, okay? And that's exactly what it needs to be for every Bible study we have in this place, too. Exact same thing. You know, we have debated over the years, we have debated over the years having two adult Sunday school classes. And you know, one of the reasons why we've never done it is because there's, within our leadership group, there's always been a concern that it it turns into a competition. And now we don't want to have a competition on our adult Bible studies. 
really? <laughs> that shouldn't happen. Okay? It's, uh, it's okay to say I enjoy that person's teaching or I enjoy that person. That's okay. It shouldn't be a competition. It shouldn't be that's better than that. Than that. It's just I feel more comfortable there. Why are people in this local church versus another local church? I feel more comfortable there. It's not that it's better or worse. I feel more comfortable there. And that's how it should be within our Bible studies, within the, within the church and whatnot. So uh, I see this happening more and more in churches, and it disturbs me. I think that this is a, a trend, and we need to be very careful about this, and uh, that, that we need to be careful. And I never want, the, I never want Areola Bible Church to be personality-driven. It's not my goal. That's not my desire. I hate that idea. Okay? And if it is personality-driven, then maybe we will get together tomorrow, and I will get fired or resign, because it can't be personality-driven. That's the wrong thing. It has to be gospel-driven. It, it has to be driven by God. Okay? And that's what, that's what we need to happen in the church of Jesus Christ. Okay? That I do what I do because God has gifted me. You do what you do because God has gifted you. And when everybody does what they do because God has gifted them, we stand back and we say, in God doing something cool at Areola Bible Church. That's what we say. Look what God did. Okay? That's the important thing. And we need to understand that. Okay? That's an incredibly important thing that we understand, that we believe that with all of our hearts. Okay? And so maybe you can adjust that a little bit with your Bible studies. Maybe you can adjust that a little bit with the preaching and the teaching. And you can say, wow, God really used that person today. That's really cool. God did that. God did that. God did that. Because it's God who's doing that. And how many preachers and teachers and Bible study leaders and Sunday school teachers and vacation Bible school workers have, have we had in this church over the years? And they're gone. And a new group comes. And then they're gone. And a new group comes. And look what happens. Church is still here. God's still doing what God does. And that's a really, really, really good thing. So the bottom line is that I think that we need to be very careful that we don't allow divisions to creep into the church because, as our quarterly says, as soon as we start doing that, Satan sees an opportunity. Satan sees an opportunity. Okay? I understand a preference. I understand that we, we enjoy this. I understand that we're more comfortable here. I understand different things. And, and the other thing, I'll go one step further with you. I also understand doing it right and doing it wrong. Okay? I, you know, we ought not to go to a church that does it wrong. We need to go to a church that does it right. And the reason why I do it right here is because God has done something in my life so that it's done right. It's God who's done that. Okay? And we need to understand that. So it always goes back to God, and God's the one that's doing it, and God's the one that's behind it, and, and God gets the credit for those things constantly. All right? And, and so we talk about biblical teaching and, 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 and those kinds of things, and it's God who, who is the one who is behind even the biblical right teaching. Okay? Never personality driven. We need to make very sure about that. Let's look at the body of Christ for a little while. Let's look at some verses that talk about the body of Christ and how significant and wonderful it is. Romans chapter 12. Where would be, we be without the body of Christ? And I hope that the answer to that question is we would be in a bad state. I hope that when I ask the question, where would you be without the body of Christ, you would say, you know what, life would not be anywhere near as w what it is right now without the body of Christ. I'd be lost without the body of Christ. I don't know what I'd do without the body of Christ. And yet I fear that there's a lot of Christians that would say, well, without the body of Christ, I'd carry on just fine. That's an unfortunate thing. Okay? 
We belong to Christ. We're part of the body of Christ, and we need to understand how important it is. So Romans chapter 12, look at what it says, beginning in verse 1. Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what, is the, what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. For through the grace that is given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function, so we, who are many, are all one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Why should we miss the body of Christ if it didn't exist? Because we can't obey one another's, but from this passage specifically here. Because why? Because it says what? Specifically in this passage. We're part of one another, and we need one another to make the whole work. Without the body of Christ, there's something lacking. It's lacking here. It says we're many, one body, and individually we're members of one another. Without the body, we're lacking. The one another's don't work. The commandments of the New Testament don't work. The idea of the New Testament doesn't work. We're lacking without the body of Christ. Okay? They're, we need them. That's an important thing. All right? We need them, and it's incredibly important that we cling to them. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let me backtrack for just a moment, please, because as I was reading that, a thought came to my brain, and, and I need to share this with you, and that is this thinking about the fact that, that I'm going to be gone for the month of October as we go to Nepal and, and encouraging you to be here. And, and I understand that, 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 for instance, we'll say, uh, um, and I don't know who's preaching for me, so we'll just throw in, I'll just use Andy because he's sitting here. And I don't, Andy's never preached. I don't know if he ever will. But we'll say Andy is going to preach for us. And he's all excited about that. You can see right now. So Andy's going to preach, okay? And the fact of the matter is I have been in this pulpit I have been in a pulpit pretty regularly for 35 years. Okay, that's a lot of Sundays, right? Andy has been in the pulpit all of zero times. So should my presentation be smoother? Should I be more comfortable than he? Should it be a little easier for you to listen to me present the Word of God than him? Probably. That's fair. That's not an attack against anybody. That's fair. Why? I've practiced an awful lot. That's exactly right. That's all it amounts to. Okay? So my point in saying that is, if Andy's going to speak and stand up and do his best to present the Word of God for God, give him some slack that that's not what he does on a regular basis. That's what I mean by that. Okay? All right? You don't want me... You don't want me doing whatever Andy does for a living. I, and I, I wouldn't even know how to explain it exactly, okay? But he, he, he does something with Empire Electric and, finance and re, uh, rebates. You don't want me doing that, okay? I, it would be a rough deal. Could he work, work with me and get me to a point where I could do some things he does and cover for him? Sure he could. Would I be efficient at it? N no. <laughs> Would I get it done? Probably. Is that fair? So understand that. So sometimes what we do, sometimes what we do is we don't give people, we don't give the men who are standing and teaching and preaching, we don't give them a little bit of slack that that's not what they do on a regular basis. 
And so we get a little frustrated and we say, well, that's not good. Look past the roughness of the presentation and look at what God is doing and how God is using that person and what God is saying. Okay? Okay, that had very little to do with our lesson, but I thought I'd say it. Thanks for volunteering to preach in October, Andy. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse number 12. Even as the body is one and yet has many... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Ted will confirm this. Do you get thoughts in your brain when you're teaching and preaching? I mean, it's amazing, right? Just things pop into your brain. Come on, just help me out here. Say yes. Okay, thank you. So, so honestly, if I'm, if, I'm rough, if I'm still rough around the edges after doing this for 35 years, you ought to get together and fire me. Okay, right? It's just that's how life works. Anyway. Okay, I'm going to now stick to the lesson, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. For even as the body is one, and yet as many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. Who does it go back to constantly? Christ, 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 Christ. Why has God given certain people the gift of teaching? So he can be glorified. It's about him. Why has God given the gift of encouragement to certain people? So he can be glorified. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or frees, we are all made to drink of one spirit. For the body is not one member but many. If the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body, is it for this reason any less a part of the body? And if the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I'm not part of the body, is it not for this reason any less part of the body? The whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed in the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. God has given us what we've been given. God is the one that has gifted us. God is the one that has enabled us. You know one of the greatest gifts, and again, unfortunately, I'm kind of preaching in the choir this morning. You know one of the greatest gifts of believers is, one of the greatest gifts that believers have the ability to and gifts probably the wrong word. One of the greatest things that believers have the ability to do that encourage one another in the church of Jesus Christ from the leadership all the way down. You know one of the greatest things they can do? Yeah? Keep going. Show up. Thank you, Daryl. The exact phrase I was thinking. There's a pastor for you. Show up. You know how as encouraging it is when you just simply show up? It's awesome. You know how discouraging it is when you don't? devastating yes ma'am yeah you betcha God gives the gifts and he gives the ability to carry it out you betcha and in doing that we all have we all it works and this is such a cool thing. If all were one member, where would the body be? And he kind of does that with the body then. Now there are many members but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. And the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it's much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable, uh, um, on those we bestow a more abundant honor and our less presentable parts much more presentable whereas our more presentable parts have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundance to the members that lacked. 
so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the other members rejoice with it. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. Here's the interesting, cool thing about this. He says that all of this has happened so that there be no division in the body. And in the example that we have from, from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, there shouldn't have been any division in the body because Apollos was doing the exact same thing that Cephas was doing. Telling people about Jesus Christ, baptizing them as he's commanded, and then saying, go be part of the body. Forget about me, now look at Christ. Okay? That God has done what he has done so there's no division in the body. God has put teachers in place and God has put listeners in place God has put encouragers in place and God has put people that need to be encouraged in place God has put givers and God has put people that aren't so good at that so that we are all one body and we are encouraging one another and we look around and we say look at how the place functions isn't it something okay my great example with the body that I like to talk about and you've probably heard me mention this before is the big toe of the physical body. The big toe is just kind of weird, isn't it? Just this afternoon, go home and take off your shoes and socks and just study your big toe. It's kind of odd. And then chop it off and let me know how you do. Because it's ugly and it's weird and I got a toenail problem. I'm going to cut that baby off. What's going to happen to you? You lost your balance. How about that? God knew you needed a big toe. Isn't that something? You cover it a lot, but he knew he needed it, okay? And, you know, without being mean or harsh, there's a lot of big toes in the church. We need them. They help us keep our balance. And there's a lot of eyes in the church. There's a lot of hands in the church, a lot of ears in the church, a lot of noses in the church, a lot of fingers in the church. We need all of those things in order to make the church the church. And just because you're... You're the lips doesn't make you more important than the big toe. And just because you're the finger doesn't make you more important than the ear. And just because you're the eye doesn't make you more important than whatever it is. It means you've been gifted in a different way. And I, and I want to tell you what's really cool about the Church of Jesus Christ is that, you know, I haven't, I haven't been in a ton. As a leader, I've only been in three churches. As a pastor, I've only served in three churches. But I've never had a church that didn't have all the parts. They're there. The question is whether people are willing to do what God has gifted them to do <laughs> many times. But the parts generally are there. Okay, They really are. God has done this, and he has done it so there be no divisions. And I want you to notice very carefully, verse 26, and if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. You know, one of the things that I see in the church more often than I should possibly see in the church is that people, people will say, I don't know why that person's so upset. I don't know why that person's so down. I don't know why that person's so frustrated. I don't know why that person's so sad right now. They need to get over it. What right do you have to dictate where somebody else should be emotionally right now? The body says if they suffer, you suffer with them. The Bible says if, you, if they suffer, you suffer with them. And the Bible says if they rejoice, you rejoice with them. It doesn't matter why they rejoice. Who cares? Rejoice with them. Okay? Be a part of their life. And sometimes the church isn't really good at just that right there. 
And as soon as we're not good at that, we start having divisions in the church. We need to make sure that if a member suffers, we're suffering with them. And if one is honored, we're rejoicing with them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who, re- who weep. It'll change your approach to people. It honestly will. Quit judging them. Quit condemning them for either whichever side they're on. And just rejoice with them when they rejoice and weep with them when they weep. It'll change your approach to people if you'll do that. It really will. The issue behind their rejoicing and the issue behind their weeping is a non-issue. The fact they're doing it is the issue. And you, as a member of the body, get an opportunity to help them out. And you know what, some pe- you know what people need sometimes? And, and sometimes they need this far more than they need anything else. They simply need somebody to laugh with them and cry with them. That's all they really need. There's been a ton of times in my years as a pastor when I have as a shepherd and I love people, I've just wept with them. I don't have any answers. You don't have any answers. That's a complicated question. I wish I understood why you were hurting. I, I don't know. God's, God's big. God, and, and there are some mysteries in this life, but I hurt with you today. And you hug them and you weep with them a little bit, and boy, they appreciate that. And when they're exceedingly rejoicing, you rejoice with them because that's what life should be. Let's go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Now, this is a little different passage, but I chose it for a reason, and so hang with me on this as we go through this thing here. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. For he rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Him, and through Him to reconcile all things to Himself, having made peace through the blood of His cross. Through Him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet He has now reconciled you in His fleshly body through death in order to present you before Him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Now I just want you to stop right there and understand something. In those first verses, he's talking about Christ and who he is and how amazing he is. And in most of your Bibles, it'll have that little title, The Incomparable Christ. He's above comparison. Look at who he is. Look at what he has done. And then it talks about the fact in 19 and 20, for the fa- it was the Father's good pleasure for the fullness to dwell in him. And what he did then on the earth is he, he died and he paid for our sins. And that's what it's describing in verse 20. He made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And then notice this in verse 21. And although this is who you were, formerly alienated, hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, now he has reconciled you in his fleshly body through his death. He has made it so that you can have a relationship with the Father, you can have a relationship with the Son, and He did all this in order to present you before Him holy and blameless and beyond reproach, and I want to make sure you understand something, the avenue whereby He is, the avenue that He's using in order to get you there is the church. 
body of Christ. He wants you to become holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Now, Jesus is going to make that happen fully one day. But he has left us on this earth and he has said, you be part of the body. And the body's going to help you get to that point. Unless I have an attitude. Unless I have some stubbornness. Unless I have an issue with that person who is the teacher today. Unless I just don't like that thing. Unless I wish these people would figure out the temperature in this building. Unless I would be irked about this or that or the other thing. Then what is the body of Christ doing for me? I'm hurting it. You're exactly right. It's doing nothing for me. And I am hurting it. I need to understand that, that, that everybody's doing their best with their gifts to make the body of Christ what it needs to be. And I have an opportunity to be a part of it. And indeed, I'm a part of flawed humanity, aren't I? Flawed humanity. Why, it's, it's just almost like being married, isn't it? Flawed humanity, 24 hours a day. It's the way it is. It's the way it is. Okay? Let's do one more. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. And then I will rant and rave one more time and we'll be done. Ephesians chapter 2. Verses 19 through 22. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. But having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. You know how cool that is? that that's what's going on is that I'm not a stranger and an alien anymore. I'm a fellow citizen. And I'm a fellow citizen with the saints. And we're part of God's household. And this household that we are part of is being built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and Jesus Christ himself. He's the cornerstone. And it's all being built upon what I read in the Gospels and the Epistles and the Old Testament. And it's all being built together. And this building this building that I'm a part of, the church is being fitted together and it's growing into a holy temple in the Lord. Look, it's a holy place. And it's God's place. And it says in verse 22, in whom you are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. That's the church. That's the body of Christ. You know how cool that is? That's who we are. This is the greatest thing in the world. We are so about so many clubs and organizations in our world today, and that's fine, but don't forget the one that really matters. The church. I'll say one more time, one more thing. This is my little ranting and raving, and then we'll move on. I want to challenge you all, both in, in encouraging and being a part of other people, and maybe, maybe in your own life you're facing this right now or have or will or whatever okay I have I have known people over the years many 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 people who have said you know I, 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 I'm a believer and I love Jesus and I love God and I worship him and I do my I just am not a part of the church 
How can we not be part of the church? You know, I was hurt. I was in a church, and you wouldn't believe what happened, and I was hurt, and I was attacked, and, and, and I'm just never going to be part of the church again. Never going to be part of the church again. Okay? Well, there's some problems with that, and the biggest problem is, is that we're called to be part of the church because we're believers. But here's the real problem with that. Okay? You ever been hurt at work? You ever been treated poorly at work? You ever had the boss treat you in an incredibly unfair way? I mean, you got home mad, angry, ranting and raving. I'm going to quit. I'm not going to take that from that person. Still got a job? Yeah. You ever had somebody cut you off in the car? You ever been driving and you've had an incident happen where you've thought, are you kidding me? You're the worst driver in the world. And you've been mad about it for two hours. Still drive a car? Have you ever had something go on in your life that you've been treated unfairly in and you're still part of that system? And the answer is yes every single time, except for the church. How often do people say, I've been hurt in the church? You're, you, I, I imagine you have been hurt in the church. I, I think that I've been the person who has hurt you sometimes in the church. I didn't mean to. I probably have. Other people have done it. Flawed humanity. That's what, that's what the church is. You can't give up on the church. Why? Why can't you give up on the church? Okay, that's a great answer because you are part of the church whether you want to be or not. What? Okay, that's a great answer. Who designed the church? God. Who said you should be part of the church? God. Who said that that's the avenue whereby I'm going to work in this day and age, in this dispensation? God. You can't not be part of the church. Okay? I have, I have had situations, in all honesty, I have had situations where as I look back on it, I've thought, okay, I was more responsible for that problem than I admitted at the time. I see that now. I, I get it. I see it. I regret that. I, I, we've dealt with what we've needed. I, 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 was, I, I was wrong. And I've had people say, you know what? I, I'm never going to be part of the church again. I'm never going to be part of the church again. You know, or, or we talk about them afterwards. You know, wh where are these people attending now? What's going on with them? I don't think they're going to church anywhere. You're mad at me, and so you're never going to go to the church again? I didn't know I had that much power. That's amazing. Stop that. If you're mad at me and you're never going to the church again, I'm not the problem. You are. And we need to come to grips with that in our lives in the church of Jesus Christ. There are way too many people out there who say they love God, and, and I'm going to admit it for the sake of this conversation, that they are believers and they're not part of the church because they say, I've been hurt by the church. Well, then figure it out, deal with your feelings a little bit, and get back in the church. I'm sorry, that's the way it needs to be. Just like you're going to work again to deal with that boss, and you're going to work again to deal with that rotten, horrible employee that you have to deal with, and that person that you work next to. You're going to deal with those things because that's what you do in life. We can't run away from the church because sometimes bad things happen in the church. We can't. And if we do, we're wrong. Okay? We're wrong. And, and, and the reason I can say this with such boldness and confidence is this. Look around at how many churches there are. Surely you can find one that you can fit in and be comfortable in and feel like this is a good place for me. 
I have been incredibly honest with people over the years, my entire years of ministry. I have said, you know what? This may not be the church for you. This, you may not, this may not be where you need to be. This is, try this one. This is a great place down there. Good teaching, good preaching, good, good group. Try that. I think that one of the reasons why we have all these different local churches, churches is so that we can fit in a church. Okay? And we can do it. My point in saying all of this is this the body of Christ ought to be to you, a believer, the most important thing in the world. Okay? Now, that's probably an, ex- an exaggeration, right? We have our wife and our children and our husband. And, okay? So it's, it's in the top, right? You know what I mean. As a believer, how can the church not be important to you? And if it's not, it's not the church's issue. It's yours. I am convinced of that with all of my heart. Okay? Doesn't mean you haven't been hurt. Doesn't mean you haven't been treated poorly. I get that. Life is like that. But you can't abandon the church because you're part of the church. As Carolyn said, you're part of the church whether you want to be or not. You are. So embrace it. Embrace the body. And since I'm talking to you guys right now, if it's this one, embrace this. If it's not this one, find one you can't embrace. But embrace the church. Embrace the church. Yes? Well, in choosing, yeah. I'm I'm assuming that we're embracing a biblical church at this point. Okay, that's kind of my thing. Biblical church because I really don't call those other places churches. So, <laughs> uh, but I won't call them what I call them here, all right? Biblical church. We're talking biblical church. Teaching and preaching from the Bible, the gospel, truth, biblical church, okay? You need to make sure that you embrace the church. We need to do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this one more thing at you, and then we're done. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if the church was loved and people were as committed to the church as they are to some of those other groups that they belong to in our society. Well, whatever, you name it, you fill in the blank. Can you imagine what the church would be for Jesus Christ? I don't want you to cut out anything. I want you to rearrange priorities. <laughs> That's what we need to do. You can do a lot of things. Maybe our priorities need to be rearranged. Body of Christ. Boy, is it an awesome thing. Okay? Boy, is it an awesome thing. Father, thanks for our time together this morning. And I do pray that, that, Father, you would take the words that I have uttered that have come from my mouth and that you would use them. And if there are things that need to be forgotten, I pray that they'd be forgotten. And if there are things that need to, to go deeply into one's conscience and they need to be convicted, I pray you'd convict them. Father, but that this would be about you. We thank you for the church. We thank you for this local church, this, this place we call Areola Bible. What an incredible, wonderful place. Thank you that we're a part of it. And Father, I just pray that we would embrace your plan, the church, as we ought, and that it would be a wonderful thing. And not just with our own local, but as we expand and understand and see the universal church, that the church would shine for Jesus in our society. We pray this in Jesus' name.